Let's pray together. Father, as always, we want to pause and recognize two main things. Recognize our need as we are about to listen to your word. God, we cannot take it in. We can't hear. We can't respond without you. And so, God, we need you to open our eyes and our ears so that we can see and hear and know and believe. But God, the second thing we recognize is your willingness to help us, your willingness to enable us. And so God, we thank you. We're so grateful that you are a God who has never asked us to do something for you, but simply to believe that you're doing something for us and in us. And so God, we thank you for this moment, for this time we have to gather together across multiple locations and we ask your spirit now to fill us, to enable us to do what we can't do, which is to receive this word and then have it planted in our lives and grow fruit. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you've got a Bible, we are in John chapter 18. If you don't have one, in fact, we'd love to give you one after our gathering today if you are here in person and you don't own one. But we do have the verses here on the screen. And we're in John chapter 18. In fact, we've been in John uh, now for a couple decades, and it's been amazing. Um, for those of you that are new, it's just been preaching through the gospel according to John, and it's been great. In fact, I was talking to a guy in our church this week. He said, man, I could stay in the gospel of John for the rest of my life. I'm like, I know I could too. Let's do it. Um, because it really is just such an amazing gospel. In fact, especially if you're new to the faith, I always recommend don't start reading in Genesis and try to work your way through. Start in John. Because uh, it really is kind of one of the best distillations that we have of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. But now in John chapter 18, as I told you last week, if you were here, the story shifts towards its main focus, which is Jesus going to the cross. And so John chapter 18, John chapter 19, we're going to look at over the next two months as we kind of march towards Easter, and we're going to talk about not only who Jesus is, what he did, but now over these two chapters, specifically him going to the cross. And it's important to understand that. It's important to get that because really it's the crux of our entire faith. Our entire faith hangs on the fact that not, Jesus, not just that Jesus went to the cross for the people, as we talked about last week, but that he rose again, that he rose again and he's alive now. And not just did he die for the people, but he's gathering the people. That is the essence of the gospel. But if you were here last week, at the end of the message, we started talking about Peter and now this week, we're going to kind of pick up right where we left off and get more into Peter's kind of descent, if you will. Last week, he cuts off a dude's ear. And if that were not bad enough, it's going to get worse this week. But I hope that this is an encouraging message for all of us to understand how it's so easy to look at Peter and be like, why did you do this, Peter? But it's going to be comforting to help us understand at the end of the day, we're really all Peter. We're going to see how Jesus responds to him. So let's go John chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 15, and we'll eventually work our way down to verse 27. So let me read the first couple verses, and then we'll talk about it. John 18, verse 15, it says, Simon Peter followed Jesus. Now, I highlighted that there because that's really kind of the crux of the message. He followed 
Jesus. We're gonna get into what that actually means. And so did another disciple. More than likely, that was John, the guy who wrote this book. Since that disciple, John, was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. Now, I highlighted that again because, remember, context, he followed Jesus. Well, now you're starting to pick up on, well, Jesus went out inside, but Peter's outside. So is he following Jesus? He's following Jesus to a point. Now, look at this. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. Verse 17, the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And then probably one of the worst phrases in the Bible, he said, I am not. Now the servant and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. Now, if you've ever been around church, you probably have heard the story of Peter denying Jesus three times. Well, this is that story. And I just told you the first time he denied. And we're gonna talk about these denials and we'll get more into the second and third time in just a second. But I think it's so pointed for us to kind of step back and look at this because it's almost like John goes out of his way here to show you and to show us he followed Jesus, but then he highlights the ways that he wasn't following Jesus. And it's important for us to kind of diagnose what is going on here and learn from it. Because Peter, I honestly believe, loved Jesus. I think it was genuine. I think he really loved Jesus. But Peter now is struggling in his walk with Jesus in the same way a lot of us do. Remember, this is the dude who just literally like an hour before this was so determined to follow Jesus that he pulls out his sword and cuts a dude's ear off. I mean, that dude who, who in the presence of Roman soldiers pulls out a sword and cuts off a dude's ear. You would say that's pretty, pretty courageous now, right? Now, a servant girl asks him if he's a disciple, and he's like, no, no. And you want to be like, bro, what happened to that courage? Like you were willing to pull out a sword against some Roman soldiers, and now a little girl? Bro, what happened? And I think it's so important for us to study this. One, because in it, we get the essence of the gospel. And it's so important to understand the gospel because if we're not careful, especially if you've been around church for a long time, you can think that the gospel is kind of like the ABCs of Christianity, that you like learned that when you first came to church and now you've moved on into deeper stuff. But I wanna encourage you, the gospel is not the ABCs, it's the A to Z. It's the, say it in my language, it's the whole enchilada. It's the whole thing. Because if you were here last week, remember when Jesus, when the soldiers come and Jesus says something to them, and our Bible says, I am he, but I told you in the Greek that he wasn't there. He says, I am. That's the covenant name of God. 
And it's like, the, I don't know how it happened, right? But this is like this supernatural thing. Like Jesus takes over the sound waves. And it's like, boom, and it hits them, right? They fall back. Well, the essence of the gospel is not just that Jesus is I am. It is Peter saying, I am not. I am not. If you want to understand the gospel, there it is. I am not, but I know I am. I'm not. I'm not capable, but I know I am. And by I am, I'm not referring to myself, referring to a person, which is Jesus. So it's very interesting to me, very interesting to me, that these stories happen right back to back. It's almost like John's trying to prove a point here. The gospel is not really try hard to be like Peter. Because I don't think we want to be like Peter in this circumstance, do we? No. The gospel is even Peter, as Catholics would say, is the first pope, and they venerate him, say, no, 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 no. It ain't about Peter. It ain't about any of these other saints. It's about one man. It's about Jesus. Because the essence of the gospel is he is, Jesus is, we are not. But there's a second thing that we need to see here. It's not just the essence of the gospel. It's we need to see how the world works and how the world is conspiring to get you and I to not follow Jesus. The world is working against, actively working against us to get us to not follow Jesus. And so there's some things that we need to be aware of. And here's the first one, if you're taking notes, I have this on the screen. The world offers temporary warmth. The world offers temporary warmth. It's quite interesting to me that John tells us it was cold, so they started a charcoal fire, which I don't know about you, I love a good charcoal fire. So the servant girl and the officers, they had a solo stove sitting right outside in the courtyard, right? And, I, and I've seen this place. You can go see it. Hopefully, Lord won't. Again, when we go to Israel, you'll see it. And, and there is this courtyard. It's kind of sitting up on the side of a hill, and you kind of walk up to it, and there's this nice little courtyard, and then there's the house inside. And more than likely, they had taken Jesus right inside the house. And Peter was first standing outside the courtyard. Now he's standing inside the courtyard. And there's a nice little place kind of overlooking this hill where if you had a fire at night, it'd be kind of nice. And the world tries to get us to actively deny Jesus by offering us something in return. Offering us some warmth around the fire. The world just doesn't tell you that that warmth eventually turns into an eternal fire called hell. But it's actively trying to get us to sit at the cool kids table. Like you're not with, just listen to how the girl asked the question. You're not with that guy, are you? You're not one of his disciples, are you? And in that moment, there's something inside Peter that, by the way, is inside all of us. It's a psychological need to be liked. In that moment, Jesus is inside, and you'll see in just a second, he's being questioned, 
And Peter has a decision to make. Do I want to associate with that guy and be on the outside with these people? Or do I want to disassociate myself from that guy and be on the inside with these people? Because, man, it's cold out in this war. This, this fire is warm. See, before we read this story and just start dogging Peter, we need to see this in ourselves too. The world is going to offer you temporary warmth. The world is going to actively argue that it's better to be with them at the fire than it is with him being judged. Now let's keep going. Verse 19. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Don't you know, he'd be like, you're asking about my disciples. They right out there denying me. This is one thing that I hadn't thought of before again until I went there. But more than likely, because it's not very far from where Peter was standing to where Jesus would have been, more than likely, and I don't know this for sure, but it's just my guesstimation, Jesus probably heard Peter deny him. It's one thing to deny Jesus, but it's another thing to deny Jesus in the presence of Jesus. And look at what, how Jesus continues. So this is amazing to me. Jesus is being questioned about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Verse 21, why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. Now think about this. If Jesus can hear Peter, then it would stand to reason that more than likely Peter could hear Jesus. Jesus is saying, why are you asking me? Ask them. Don't you think at that point in time, Peter would have been like, <sighs> but we'll get into that more in just a second. I want to point out something here that Jesus says. Let's keep going. Let me read it. Keep reading. He says, ask those who were with me. They know what I said. Verse 22, when he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand saying, is that how you answer the high priest? He's like, boy, right? Now look at verse 23. Jesus answered him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But what if, if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Honest then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. A couple things about what Jesus says here. First, I love how Jesus says, I spoke openly about this. I spoke openly about this. Now, the word there, openly, doesn't just mean like what we think as far as open, like the opposite of secret. I'll get to it in a second. But it literally means courageously. He's like, I spoke courageously about this. I wasn't hiding. I didn't have a pseudonym. I didn't have a ghostwriter. I wasn't starting some conspiracy theory online like QAnon where I'm anonymous. That ain't me. Which is just a little thing about conspiracy theories. Notice he says, I didn't do anything in secret. That's the Greek word, literally, crypto. It was quite funny to me. Now, Jesus wasn't prophesying about digital currency. 
My people today are all into crypto. But when you think of cryptography, it, it is this idea of things in secret. But even crypto, it seems like, you know, we wouldn't call it fake money. We just call it digital money, right? And that whole thing, people were really into it. And I'm not saying that's a bad investment strategy. I am not a financial advisor, all right? But what I'm pointing out here is how much the human heart loves to be in on secrets. It amazes me. I mean, think back to middle school. You might be there now. You might not be there physically, but you might be there emotionally still. <laughs> Gossips. Did you hear about... Right? What is it about us that we love secrets? You know what I think it is? Again, it's this psychological need to be in on the inside like we know something that others don't know. But here's why I want to go with this theologically speaking. Notice Jesus says... I didn't build a theology of secrets. I didn't do this in secret. And this is one of the things that I've been pastoring again for over two decades now that trips me out about Christians, how Christians want to know all the secret stuff. Pastor, are we in the last days? Is that president the Antichrist? Is the red dragon and book of Revelation, is that China? Right? And this is what trips me out about Christians. You get all worked up about the secret stuff, but you don't get real worked up about the stuff that we do know. Like you'll be my witnesses and go make disciples. And I just want you to understand something. I don't traffic in secrets because I'm too busy trafficking in the truth. And I don't say that arrogantly. What I'm saying is I don't have time for QAnon and secrets if I'm loving my neighbor as myself. And here's what's amazing to me. The people who love to traffic those secrets would always want to ask them is when's the last time you told someone about Jesus? Because you know that. You know he's the only way. But people want to know all this secret stuff. Good reference verse for you, Jer uh, not Jeremiah. Deuteronomy 29, 29. I don't have it on the screen, but you just write it down. It says this, the secret things belong to the Lord, but what has been revealed belongs to us and our children forever. So let's just stick with what he made plain and let's trust him with the secrets, y'all. Let's not get caught up in conspiracy theories every time there's a presidential election because it makes us look ridiculous. And we start majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. And, and can I just be honest with you? This is one of the ways I think Satan warms us. He gets you so distracted by conspiracy theories and secrets that you become useless with the truth. Because you'd rather have side conversations with people about secrets than plain conversations with people about Jesus. See what I'm saying? And I just want to point out here, Jesus is like, listen, I haven't done this in secret. I told y'all. That's the redneck way of saying it. I told y'all. Which, what did he say? I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. That's it. That's the plain 
truth. So don't get all wigged out because I've said this to you before. According to Hebrews chapter one, these are the last days. Let me just, the last days started at Pentecost. Did you know that? They started at Pentecost. We are in the last days now. Even the Old Testament prophesied that the spirit will be poured out in the last days. That happened at Pentecost. And the Bible also says that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. So it's been two days. You with me? Last days. Don't worry about when. Worry about who. I love that Jesus says this. Now, another thing I want to point out here is how the world operates. Jesus said, bear witness, which is literally the Greek word martyr. It was a legal term back then. He says, bear witness about where I'm wrong. You understand how Jesus is trying to argue here rationally? Like like God's a rational God. But notice how this officer doesn't want to argue with Jesus about whether he's wrong or not. He just wants to whip him. Have you ever noticed that the world a lot of times doesn't want to have a rational conversation with you about right or wrong, truth or lies, fiction or nonfiction? And here's the other thing you need to know about the world. They will either try to warm you up to their way of living or just declare that you're wrong and whip you with no rational argument. One of the things that has noticeably happened in our culture, and I'll I'll grant you this over the last several years, is the lack of rational conversation that we've had and the more uptick of just anger and violence. Because if my argument's not strong enough to have a conversation with you, I will just overpower you with my might. I think it's interesting Jesus says, Point out where I'm wrong. Now let's keep going. Let's go back to Peter, verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, just in case you forgot where your boy Peter was. He's still at the solo stove. He's like, man, this thing is awesome. It's smokeless. This is fantastic. I won't smell like I've been to a bowling alley after this. He's standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you are not one of his disciples, are you? And if you're keep, keeping count, how many is this now? Two, all right? He denied it and said, I am not. Now, verse 26. This one kind of makes me laugh, but not because I think it's funny, but because it calls back to something that Peter did. Look at this, verse 26. One of the servants of the high priest a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, Rutrow, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied. And at once, cock-a-doodle-doo, a rooster crow. If you were here last week, I told you to put up your sword. One of the reasons why I told you to put up your sword is because your actions now will catch up to you later. Your actions now will catch up to you later. I don't believe in karma. 
I do believe in consequences. And what's interesting, Peter was so courageous when he had a sword. And let me go a step further. He was so courageous when he thought that Jesus was going to overthrow all this. You say, what happened to Peter? You want to know what happened to Peter? Happens to all of us too. Jesus didn't meet Peter's expectations. And so now Peter's defeated. Because see, here's what Peter thought. We know this from their conversations, even after Jesus rose again in Acts chapter one. What they asked Jesus is, now the time you're gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? Is now the time you're gonna throw, overthrow all these Romans? And I love, speaking of secret, Jesus goes, that ain't for you to know. But you'll be my witnesses. Quit trafficking in the secret. Get out there and tell people about me. So here's what Peter thought. Peter legitimately thought that Jesus was going to overthrow these oppressors, not die. You see, it was always precarious following Jesus. This isn't the first instance of the disciples being in a precarious situation. I mean, there was a lot of times where they wanted to arrest Jesus. And then the Bible would say, like, Jesus went on ninja and just, like, left. And you're like, how? I don't know. He's he's gone. Because it wasn't his time. See, Peter had seen Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle. And Peter was so courageous before Jesus got arrested. Cutting off dude's ears. But now he's arrested. Now he's bound. And I think he's starting to understand this isn't going to go the way I expect. And so he pulls back from following Jesus. Church, listen to me. I can't tell you how many people have quit following Jesus because Jesus didn't do something that they wanted him to do. And it brings up the question, why are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus because of your version of the Messiah you want him to be? You know, give me wealth and health and prosperity. But you let my kid die, you let me lose a job. You let me get cancer? What the heck are you doing? You see how easy it is? Let me say it in the reverse. You don't know if you're really following Jesus until he doesn't do what you want him to do and you follow him anyway. And I'll go a step further. He does things that you don't want him to do. See, Peter's at a crossroads right here. He's standing by the fire, getting warm. He's like, man, this fire feels good. Jesus is over there getting whipped. Do I want to be whipped or do I want to be warm? You know the story, he chose to be warm. But again, before we start throwing stones at Peter, which his name means rock. Isn't that funny? Like Jesus names him rock, but, but right, he ain't even a pebble right now. Let me ask you this question. 
Would you rather be warm or declared wrong? Would you rather be warm or declared wrong? See, it's interesting. You got Peter getting warm and you got Jesus saying he's wrong. Those are the two options. And one of the reasons why you and I deny Jesus all the time is because of this psychological need within us to be sitting around the fire with the cool kids. See, this isn't just a middle school thing. Sitting around the lunch table, sitting on the bus. People start acting a certain way. You have a decision to make, right? We don't graduate from that. It just moves from the lunchroom, maybe to the water cooler in your office, from the lunch table to the coffee table maybe, or maybe you're all standing around with your Stanley cups, which is what my wife would do. I'm like, dear Lord, woman, how many more Stanley cups do we need? Forget crypto, I need to invest in Stanley cups. I mean, they are great, I'll give it to you. But every single one of us, me too, has a psychological need, and it's a need. God put it there. It's not bad. But we have a psychological need to be accepted, to be affirmed. And if we're not careful, we will be affirmed by the warmth of the world. Because it's easier in the short run to be affirmed by the warmth of the world than it is to be whipped with Jesus. See, your coworkers, your country, your people are saying, you're not one of those people, are you? You don't believe that, do you? There's all kinds of conversations that can happen around the fire. I mean, one of the big ones today is, is human sexuality. You're not one of those Christians, are you? And in that moment, listen to me, church, in that moment, your brain, which is more concerned about being safe than being right, will lie to you over the need for your psychological safety. Because the pain of rejection in the moment is greater than the pain of rejection in the future. So when I ask the question, would you rather be warm or would you rather be declared wrong? I'm asking it because it's a legit question. And all of us have to understand, man, if I'm Peter in that moment too, it wasn't just about a fire. It was about the fire in his heart that so desperately wanted to be quenched that it would accept approval from those he can see over those he couldn't see. So when I ask that question, we need to think, but here's what's even crazier. Look, now I'm gonna go back to John chapter 13. What's even crazier is that Jesus prophesied that this would happen. 
Just like last week, we looked at John chapter 11 where it prophesied about Caiaphas. Now look at John chapter 13. Jesus is talking to his disciples, verse 36, about him going to the cross. And he says that they can't go. Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Verse 37, Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I go with you now? I will lay down my life for you. I'm your ride or die, Jesus. I am with you. And look at verse 37 or 38. Jesus answered, will you though? Will you, Peter? Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, amen, amen. I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Now, think about this. Peter heard Jesus say this to him. And here's Peter denying Jesus. Now, the first time that Peter denied Jesus, I'll give him that one. But the second time, like, here's what's crazy. Jesus said Peter would do this. And Peter's in the midst of doing this and doesn't even realize he's doing it. After the second time, I would've been like, where's the rooster? Right? Right? Like, we're reading this and we're like, Peter, bro, he told you. And here's Peter on the second one, on the verge of doing the third one. And I'm thinking to myself, Peter? But you know why Peter couldn't see it? It's the same reason why you and I can't see it, because sin makes us stupid. Sin makes us stupid. So stupid, in fact, we will sell out the truth to be warm. It makes us dumb. But if I ended the message there, it wouldn't be a great message. It'd be like, we're all Peter. See you next week. Right? But aren't you glad for Jesus? And I want to go back into what Jesus said there. He said, Peter, you cannot. What's interesting, that word there, cannot, doesn't mean like you could have, but you didn't. Or you should have. You know how we all should on ourselves. I should have done this. I should have done that. It speaks to ability. Here's what Jesus is saying to Peter. Peter, you don't possess the ability to follow me. You can't. It's not that you could, but you won't. You can't. And here's the essence of the gospel. Peter says, I will lay down my life for you, for you. See, the reason why Christianity seems so hard to people is because that's what they think it is. We are doing something for him. And this word, lay down my life, let me give you the definition. It literally is the Greek word, tithe me. 
tithe me. Here's what it means, to give up, to set aside. Conceived of as laying aside a right or a possession. It's an idiom, it's a phrase to literally lay down one's life, to die with the implication of voluntary or willing action, to die voluntarily. See, most people think that the Christian life is your bad, try harder. And we keep trying to do all this stuff for God. And that's not the gospel. You see, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you can't. You can't. But, see why I love conjunctions? But you will afterward. You will afterward. The title of today's message is You Cannot, But You Will. After what? After Jesus goes to the cross for Peter. Here's my last point, and this is what makes the gospel so amazing. We need Jesus to follow Jesus. We need Jesus to follow Jesus. And Jesus was saying to Peter, you can't do this. But afterward, after I go to the cross, after I rise again, after I send the Holy Spirit, you will be enabled to do what you cannot do. And you will not die for me, you will die with me. See the difference? You will deny me without me, but with me, you will die. Because now you'll be enabled to do what you can't do, which is follow me, Peter. See, the good news of the gospel is not simply that Jesus died and rose again. Yes, but it's also that Jesus empowers you now. It's not just Jesus for you, it's Jesus in you. Through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to where now you're enabled to do what you couldn't do before. See, this is the part of the gospel, as you can tell, I get real excited about because no other religion on the planet has this. Every religion on the planet has principles, has laws, but no other religion on the planet has a person that empowers you to obey them. You see the difference? And I talk about this often, but you look at Muslims, you look at Mormons, you look at Jehovah's Witness, all of those are outside of Orthodox Christianity. Any other world religions. The differentiating factor is not we have laws, they don't. No, we all have laws. We all have ways. We all have a path to enlightenment, to heaven, to nirvana, to whatever. But none of them have a God that substituted himself for them but now lives within them to enable them to do what they can't do. The best thing about following Jesus, and that's the point of this, is Jesus enabled Peter to do what Peter couldn't do without Jesus, which was follow. See, Peter tried to follow Jesus in his own power, didn't he? 
That's why I told you, I don't think it was Peter didn't love Jesus enough. Oh, he did. He was just trying to do something that he couldn't do. But the most amazing thing about Peter is those denials aren't the end of his story. We'll get into this at the end of John. Jesus redeems Peter, reinstates Peter, and then Peter stands up in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two and 3,000 people come to know Christ. See, we need Jesus to follow Jesus. And the good news of the gospel is Jesus never gets tired of you needing him to follow him. All you and I have to do is say, Jesus, help me. I can't do this. The world's warmth is so enticing to me. I so desperately want to give in. But will you help me? See, until your relationship with Jesus becomes that personal, where it becomes that daily, we keep trying to do stuff for him. But he hasn't asked you to do anything for him. He's simply asking to let him do it for you and in you, with him. See the difference? Let's pray. Father, we so desperately want to be affirmed that we will leave the truth to be warmed by the world. But God, thank you that you came and you took on that fire. The cross was hell because the fire just represents judgment. As we talked about last week, you took our judgment. And you did it for the people. And God, I pray right now for anybody here that maybe has never quite understood what Jesus did for them, that you would open their eyes right now and they would trust you. Receive the good news that they are not, but you are. No one looking around or talking here as we close. There's never come a point in time in your life where you have trusted Jesus, where you have received, believed, that he died in your place for your sin, then that can happen. Maybe you've been trying to do it for him instead of receiving what was done for you. So if that's you and you want to trust Christ for the first time, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, which is just simply a conversation with your father. And you can pray with me. You don't have to say it out loud, but it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent Jesus in my place for my sin. I receive Jesus. I ask you to put my sin on him, put his righteousness on me, save me, forgive me. Thank you for loving me. 
Again, nobody looking around or talking, but if you're in one of our physical locations in Canton and Jasper, would you just simply lift up your hands so we can see that? We got men and women gonna walk around, put a gift in your hand, and when they do, you can put it down. But then those of us who have trusted Jesus, and you love Jesus, but maybe the Holy Spirit today is pointing some areas out in your life where you've denied Jesus. You've denied the truth and you've just been warming yourself by what the world is offering you. And maybe today the Holy Spirit is convicting you of that. Here's the good news. Not only does the Spirit convict you, but he helps you. And so if there's some areas in your life where you've been denying the authority of Jesus, maybe it is in the area of your own sexuality. Maybe it is in the area of your marriage, your finances, how you operate in the world. The good news is Jesus stands ready to help you. He knows you need him because without him, you'll deny him. But in those moments, when you're walking into those moments, you can say, Jesus, help me right now. I would rather be wrong than deny you. I'd rather be wrong according to the world than according to the word. Spirit, would you help us? We live in an age where rational thought, having conversations about what's right and wrong, God, it just is so emotional now where people just resort to force and it's going to get harder for us as Christians. But God, I pray that you would help us. You would remind us that being with you forever is better than our temporary warmth that the world can offer. So help us to stand, to be willing to be counted wrong and potentially even whipped not only because that's what Jesus did, but because Jesus will empower us to do that. So would you help us? And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church.